Greetings from Palmer, Alaska, and St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church. This recording is for the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, Proper 23, Year A, Track 2, October 15th, the year is 2023. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 1 to 9. Psalm 23, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, and the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Well, peace be with you, my friends, and I know I say that greeting to you almost every Sunday as a way of beginning my homily. But today there is a bit of more added meaning to it. So I say it again, peace be with you. Because as we look around the world this morning, there's not much peace at hand. Thoughts of Palestine, Israel, Ukraine, and Russia bring sadness as we see and witness such chaos in the midst of God's good creation. When we throw in a few natural disasters on top of that, Earthquakes in Afghanistan, devastating fire in Maui, just to name two, we wonder what possibly could come next. And so, when our colic today calls us to continually be given to good works, well, I'm just a bit more than overwhelmed. We call ourselves Christians, so what's a follower of Jesus to do? Obviously, we begin with prayer. We cry out to God on our knees in deep despair. We grieve over the loss of life, both of the innocent and the guilty. And we cry out, How long, Lord? Where are you in the midst of the land of your birth? In the midst of Eastern Europe, where are you, Lord, in the rubble and the ashes of those who have lost all their worldly wealth, their possessions, their families, their friends, their land? And in the silence of our thoughts, we hear God whisper, I'm right here. I'm with those who weep or watch. I'm comforting those who are sick, wounded, dying, grieving. And thus I'm reminded and I'm grateful for the Christ followers in the Holy Land, specifically for us Episcopalians, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who work and live in the Diocese of Jerusalem with Archbishop Hassam, who with other Christ followers are now risking their own lives to bring care and comfort to those in Gaza and the surrounding areas of southern Israel. I'm grateful for the non-governmental agencies bringing care and compassion to those serving and suffering in Eastern Europe. And I'm grateful for those in Poland and Germany who are bringing relief to the wounded and care to the homeless. We are grateful for having enough personal resources, financial resources, to send aid both directly to areas affected by natural disasters and indirectly to those areas by supporting helping agencies. And so in the midst of this chaos, in the muck and mire of the rubble and ash heaps, We see God at work through the hands of those who follow and love Jesus. And so it is for us gathered here today as well. 
Our prayer remains in accordance with our collect. May we continually be given to good works. Perhaps those works are not physically done in the regions of the world beset with war or natural disaster, as we mostly can accomplish only by extension. We do offer our prayers, our aid, and our help. But closer to home, those good works for which we have just prayed for are to be done right here, in the midst of our parish, in the cities of Palmer and Wasilla, and into the greater Anchorage area and the surrounding state of Alaska. During this past week, as I have been reading, meditating, and praying over the lectionary readings for this morning, my thoughts were drawn to the small village of Philippi and the Apostle Paul's letter to that community of Christ followers. At the time the letter was written, Philippi was a Roman outpost near the Mediterranean Sea. The Christian community there was founded with the help of the Apostle Paul by a small group of women, chiefly by a woman named Lydia who was a dealer in purple cloth. And after hearing about the good news of Jesus, Lydia's entire household was baptized and she implored the apostles to come and stay at her home. And thus the church in Philippi was founded and formed within the home of Lydia, the dealer in purple cloth. It was also in the community of Philippi that Paul and Silas were dragged into the marketplace before the the authorities and magistrates of the city. They were then stripped of their clothes, beaten with rods and being severely flogged. The two were then thrown into jail. It was in that jailhouse around midnight while Paul and Silas were singing hymns and praying together. An earthquake, an earthquake struck the land, shaking the foundation of the prison. The doors of the prison flung open and the shackles on the walls came undone. The jailer, having survived the earthquake, but believing all the prisoners had fled, drew his sword to end his life. But Paul shouted to him, Don't harm yourself, for we are all here. This jailer then fell before Paul and Silas, asking, What must I do to be saved? And surprisingly, Surprisingly, then, the jailer and his entire household came to faith and were then baptized. So it was to this small church, which met in the home of a strong and probably wealthy businesswoman named Lydia, an unnamed Roman jailer, their entire households, as well as other sister and brothers in the faith to whom the apostles were addressing this letter, it was to this small community of Christ followers that in the midst of their trials and tribulations of life, Paul simply encouraged them to stand firm in the Lord by living up to the calling to which they had received. That call was to love one another with the same love that Christ Jesus had for them, to come to maturity in their thinking to put away all their earthly confidences and to put their faith, hope, and trust in the confidences of the risen Christ. It just couldn't have been that easy for the Philippians to do, considering the two guys who had brought the message of this good news of Jesus 
had been beaten, flogged, and thrown into jail by the rulers and magistrates of the town. Life isn't that simple now, is it? We then read the Apostle Paul urging two of the community members who have become out of sorts with each other to put their differences aside and to be of the same mind in the Lord. Why? Because as followers of Christ, we are to become mature in our thinking. And as we become mature in our thinking, we then put petty differences aside and put the care and concern of the other person in front of ourselves. Now, in a land where might made right, and in a community that rarely, if ever, put someone else's needs in front of their own, this witness of Christ's love between one another spoke volumes into the town. This was how the community of Christ's followers was called into action, to love one another as Christ had loved them. Then, in the midst of a land of Roman rule, run on the economics and labor of slavery, in a land where women were second-class citizens, children held in even lower esteem than the women, the Apostle Paul writes to the church, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. In the face of such injustice, how does one rejoice? You may be surprised at Paul's suggestion. We normally think of the word rejoice as something that happens inside of us a sense of joy welling up and making us happy on the inside. And yes, that is part of the apostle's meaning here. But in a fuller, richer sense, Paul is saying to the church to have a public celebration of rejoicing together in their faith in the God of, in, and in the God of heaven. You see, all around this small gathering of Christ's followers in Philippi, People, non-believers, had organized festivals and games to celebrate their gods and their cities, not the least of which was the public celebration of the Roman emperor, Caesar, as Lord. Why shouldn't then the followers of Jesus publicly declare their loyalty, bringing strength, courage, and even obedience to the one who overcame sin and death? And then Paul links the idea of public rejoicing with the thought that the community of Christ's followers should be a gentle and gracious community, reminding them that the Lord is near. Many things come to the believers then with this public celebration of gentleness and graciousness towards each other, rejoicing in the Lord. First, the anxiety and worry of the believers will be answered with, replaced with, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. This peace will then guard the hearts and minds of the beloved community, restoring God's people to the way of proper living with God and with each other. Also, the lives of those then living in this manner will bring peace to the community in which they live being commendable to them from those who observe how they live, reminding each other that despite all that is outwardly seen, that the Lord is near. So what does all this have to do with the state of the world as it is today? And more importantly, what does it have to do with you and I living here? 
How I see and observe this prayer of joy and gentleness being worked out amongst us here at St. Bartholomew's is truly one of great beauty. I see amongst us one who diligently works to bring forth peace out of chaos as she works with our local police department. I see many of you working in our classrooms and schools, allowing children to learn how to think, how to properly use their minds, and then helping them to unlock the talents within them. I see and hear how each of you care for and are concerned for your children, both young and old. Some of those children working in hospitals and with doctors and other caregivers as they bring physical health to the community. I see one of us working in the offices of the public defender to bring justice into our world. I see and hear about some of you living with and supporting those who are addicted to various substances. Many of you care for and love those with dementia or other types of aging diseases. I observe and hear from of the many hours of volunteering many of you do to take care of not only our own worship space, creating a place of order and beauty, oftentimes in the midst of chaos and disorder. I could easily go on and on. This is the church. Worshiping on Sunday is merely six min- 60 minutes of our week. What we do the remainder of those seven days is the church. You are the church. In your own brokenness and disorder, I see and observe us as a community of Christ followers struggling to get along with each other, seeking to be of the same mind with each other, growing in maturity and grace. I see us working alongside each other to bring the good news of Christ to all. This is the work of the church. This is how God's love spreads to the ends of the earth. And so together with those across the world, with Christ followers everywhere, we join in our public celebration of the Lord Jesus Christ. Together we stand in prayer, putting aside our worry and anxiety, allowing God to bring God's peace into our existence, the peace which surpasses our understanding in our hearts and in our minds. And then this peace guards over us, watches over us, guiding us as followers of Christ. Let us then be the church, living into our community the love of Christ. Amen.